welcome to Stories with Strengths, a podcast where we over-psychoanalyze characters from our favorite movies, TV, and media. I'm Jennifer, she, her, hers. And I'm Tyler, he, his, him. And today we're going back. We're going back to a small town. A small town where you can get the best coffee ever. A place where you can get the best Chinese food at the Pancake House. A place where you can take dance lessons with Miss Patty any day of the year. And you know, if you, if you lead us there, we will follow that, that you, you tell us to. That's right. We are going to Stars Hollow, Connecticut. And we are visiting the town where the infamous Gilmore Girls live. Because it's just like the best, guys. It's, it's so good. Oh, talk about a comfort show, right? Just it's talk so about good. it. Oh. And... As always, we have a get-to-know-you question. Woo. Tyler, what is one of, or some, of your favorite Gilmoreisms? Ooh. Oi with the Poodles already, I think it's a very obvious one. Uh, yes. Everybody knows that one. Everyone's real familiar. But basically, any one-liner that Michelle says is probably <laughs> up there for me. My aunt and I actually go back and forth, you know, quoting Michelle to each other. I have had enough of people today. Uh, today I have ennui. Ennui, yes. <laughs> so I think those for sure would be at the top. I think, yeah. And then the the one scene that I think we will laugh about and refer to each other a lot is um, my, because my aunt is the person I mainly watched this show with growing up. Um, and yeah, shout out to Patty. Uh, mm-hmm. I know she listens, so Hi. But we watched this show together uh, at a time when she was working from home. And uh, yeah, it's just really nice. So I just remember that. But we would quote, uh, well, not necessarily quote, but reference the uh, the scene where they're eating marzipan. Mm-hmm. And like, it's the little marzipan animals. And they like bite into them. And they're just like chewing on them for the whole scene. And then they very carefully and discreetly spit them out. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. So that, yeah, that would be my thing. And just before I hand the mic back over to you, uh, I do have to say, Jess is best boy. And that's that's my point of view and my opinion, and I'm sticking with it. I am 100% team Jess, though I'm also on team Rory is horrible, and Jess can do better. Especially final season Jess can do better than Rory. Um, Jess grows as a character. Rory needs some mm-hmm. help. Um that's true. And my dog's name is Rory, but she's very clearly Chilton Rory. Uh, that yes. is uh, something that I have told people. I'm like, no, no, no. Early, early, early seasons, seasons, Rory, when she's still smart and not a horrible person. Right. It's, it's Team Jess all the way. Though, mm-hmm. so I think they all, as, as like tropes of boyfriends, right? They all kind of have their own special little mm, Team Jess. You get that bad boy, and then you get that artist vibe, and then you get like this the I've grown as a man vibe, and it's it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Though for me with Gilmoreisms, I think Oi with the Poodles is so good that that's been quoted so many times in my household, and I always loved it's it's the first episode, and I rewatched it the clip of it today when Luke is like you don't want to grow up to be your mother, and she's like pretty much too late. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just such a great, especially as they do their quips back and forth. And a Thousand Yellow Daisies, so good. Mm-hmm. And this is when you forget all the other Gilmoreisms throughout the whole show. Yeah, that was kind of my problem. You were <laughs> like, what's your favorite? And I was like, uh. Oh, blank. But then, 
Yeah, but then I remembered Michelle and I was like, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And some, like, there's just so many great, like, like zingers of, oh, one that I quote all the time is I would rather slide down a banister or razor blade than land to a pool of alcohol than go to <laughs> Emily's for dinner. <laughs> and that was always my, like, extreme of I would rather. Mm-hmm. I always pulled that one out. I'd rather <laughs> slide down a banister of razor blades and land into a pool of alcohol. <laughs> so that Ow. would probably be number one. <laughs> it was really dark. It's pretty good. It's it a good dark, one. Really no, it good. is a good one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, because my my Michelleisms were not dark at all. <laughs> Most yeah. of them are dark in their nature. There's so much dark humor in the show. Uh, that's and made so light. many references to theater which is yes. also part of the things i like amy sherman paladino will just like drop a theater reference very quickly and mm-hmm. then you're like uh i mean to be fair everything is said very quickly in these shows but uh and maybe we'll maybe we'll try to recreate that tonight and we'll just talk as quickly as we as can quick as these. possible <laughs> no that's not gonna nobody would understand me i already right. talk fast <laughs> would not go over I, well I do our editing and I already know that I talk so fast sometimes that all my words just are all together and you can't really understand what I'm saying. Well, Gilmoreisms aside, and we'll probably come up with more as we go through our our new clients. Tyler, I do believe you have a new client to talk about tonight. I do have a new client and we are in Stars Hollow. We are, you know, closer to the end of the original run, uh, just to kind of give you an idea of where we're at. Uh, you'll know very specifically where we at as we as where we're at as we dig into this. Uh, but I am talking about the man, the myth, the legend, Luke Danes. So Luke, who is the owner of the local diner is in his mid to late 30s at this point cisgender male heterosexual and is coming in primarily because he is engaged to someone that he's been pining over for a very long time and just found out that he has a 12 year old daughter named april so this is luke kind of later on and we are talking about how he's going to manage these two relationships that are life-changing to him. Uh, and I chose this because I this, I thought if this character was going to go into therapy, this would be the moment. That being said, it's very clear that this character has never been in therapy, probably would never go to therapy. Um, Luke, in a lot of ways, is that traditional masculine energy coming at you, uh, for, for better or for worst. He... I don't think would be going willingly. I think he would need somebody to like take him and, you know, to get him there in the first place. But I, as I was thinking about him as a character, first of all, he's one of my favorite characters in the show, which we'll get to later. I guess I'm answering the why question first tonight, because why not? Um, But really, like, if he was going to be in therapy, this is the time. Uh, And he's talking about relationships, which in California... We are marriage and family therapists, uh, you know, varying levels of that particular title. And uh, we are trained to focus on working with people with relationships. Now, that can either mean working with people in couples, working with people individually, working with people in families. But our focus 
ethically, that's kind of what our focus is supposed to be is on how these issues affect relationships with other people, how relationships affect our clients. And so with Luke, we're talking about these two relationships that he now has to balance that are both huge life altering, priority altering life changes that, okay, what is what does this all mean? And that's where we'd be starting, right? Like I would have him start just telling me about these two relationships. So the first thing, what does it mean to you to be with Lorelai, you know, as a partner? And how has that changed how your life is? What does it mean to be single versus being in a partnership? How is this partnership different than other partnerships you've been in? What is working in this partnership that didn't work in other partnerships you've been in? And what isn't working in this partnership that worked in other ones? All of these questions to give him more context, right? To give him the idea of just sitting there and being a little bit more mindfully aware of what this relationship just means to him. And that's where we're just gonna start. And on the other hand, again, we're gonna be doing double duty here. So we're gonna be bouncing back and forth a little bit like a tennis match. The other side of this is talking to him about his relationship with April. What does it mean to you to be a dad? What does, it, what does that actually mean? Because for so many people, that particular title or the title of parent doesn't necessarily have to be dad or father. Like, what does it mean to you? Where, what values do you hold around that? How does that change the priorities you have in your life? And if we're talking about how these priorities are changing while we're going back and forth on this tennis match here, which one is the main priority for you now? And that I think is where he's stuck, right? I think he feels like he has to choose. He feels like he needs to choose one is more important than the other. Either my daughter or my relationship, one is more important and I need to focus on that one. And he also is obviously shocked about finding out he has a kid, doesn't really know. The only reason he finds out is because April's super smart and did a science project about her paternity and that's how she found him. So now he has to kind of reconcile all this stuff about himself that he has not been in the meanwhile. The closest thing he's been to a parent is an uncle to Jess. And that's a very different relationship. And we, we, you know, he's talked about his relationship to Jess and it's a little bit antagonistic. There's a little back and forth, a little snipping at each other. And he doesn't want that kind of relationship with April. In fact, it probably wouldn't work in the same way with April. On the other hand, he's got all this you know, talking about moving away from parental relationship to romantic relationship, he's got a romantic history that has been filled with hurt and, you know, instances of feeling betrayed, instances of feeling abandoned. And he hasn't really processed all that. Like I said, he's not somebody who's going into therapy and working on his emotions all the time. And, you know, we've talked about that. He kind of bottles up, right? Again, we're going to those masculine ideals of how do traditionally masculine people approach this, these things. And it's that, you know, emotions get bottled up because we're not allowed to show them. We're not given permission. You can be angry, you can be neutral and you can laugh and that's it. Those are the three you're allowed. And so we see Luke being angry a lot, especially when he's confused, especially when he's upset 
especially when he doesn't know what to do. He gets really, really angry and frustrated. And so all of this is kind of boiling down to the one thing that we're going to talk about after we've processed through just what these things mean to you. Where are your priorities kind of sitting now? What do you want to talk about in here? And then focusing on getting him to be able to communicate what he feels. Step one. And I have worked with so many clients who identify as male where we, this is what we have to do. This is the work we have to do. Uh, and so I have a set of like rules around this stuff, right? So the first, you know, first couple sessions we're working on this stuff, I send them now. It used to be I had a printout and I would hand them a printout, but now we're all digital. So I, uh, I send them a little PDF or I share my screen of a PDF of a feeling word list. I'm like, look at all these words, so many words to describe feelings. And the, the list that I use is usually like a circle. So it's got anger, sadness, joy, fear, surprise, um, all of your inside out characters plus surprise, basically. And then it goes, you know, so that's the center circle. And then there's a circle out of that that is more detailed. And then a circle out of that that's more detailed. So it's, it's at the end of the day, it's over 100 different words for different feelings. And so I give them this resource and I say, okay, this is what you have. I want you to look these over. This helps you decide, first of all, you can say, okay, what's the main flavor here? And then let's get more specific. And so I say, okay, just tell me how you're feeling right now. And, you know, we'll go through it together. And then I tell them, all right, you're keeping this printout. You're keeping this PDF. You're going to have it open every time we do session. At the beginning of every session, I'm going to check in with you. And I'm going to ask you, how have you been since we last spoke? That is literally the line verbatim that I say at the beginning of every single session with people when they come back to see me. How have you been since we last spoke? And the people who've worked with me long enough, which is usually one or two sessions, know that I do not accept the answer of okay, good, fine, or I don't know. Um, you know, those answers are not applicable. Like that's, it just doesn't work. And it's because in therapy, we're looking for a deeper experience. We're looking for a more emotional exploration. Those words are filler uh, and they're used to mask what we're actually feeling. That's what you tell the grocery store clerk. That's not what you're telling your therapist. So I, and I correct people all the time when I go, oh, hey, that's super great. I love that it was a good week for you. And can you give me a feeling word? And so that's where we're going to start with Luke. It's just getting him to start admitting and talking about his feelings and getting him comfortable talking about his feelings and communicating. There are so many other ways to do this. I statements is another one that comes to mind really quickly because it's, you know, something that's a way to communicate to another person. This is how I'm feeling in a very constructive way versus like, you did this to me. It's, I felt blank when you blank and I would like you to blank. And it's not as attacking, it's not as aggressive, and it allows you to start a conversation, right? Start a negotiation, really, more than anything else. Of Like, I feel upset when you don't make me a priority, and I would like you to spend more time with me, just as an example. 
And so really going through these very basic communication skills with Luke, because Luke has such a hard time talking to other people about what he feels because he's been socialized as a man in America. And that's every single man, not every single man, but unless you've been taught this stuff as a man, you don't really learn it in America for the most part. I don't want to general overgeneralize and be like, every man lives with this. No, it's not every man's shared experience. Very stereotypical collective experience. (laughs) Yes, agree. Yeah, agreed. Um, And so we would just work on that, right? Work on getting him mindfully aware of what he's feeling, learning how to talk about this with other people, and then plugging it back into the thing he came in for, which is this decision-making process he's trying to make between these two relationships, and he feels he has to choose one, and going, what if you talked about this to Lorelai, who is your partner, who is an adult, who knows what it's like to have a, you know, an adolescent daughter, who knows what it's like to have parenthood sort of just thrust upon you when you're not prepared? Yes, her experience is not exactly the same as yours, but she knows similar experiences to this. And she might be a place of support that you can have instead of feeling like you have to pick between the two. And then going, okay, and then talking to April and how do you want to do that? What is your parental boundary, right? Because he's not like at this point, not super having a relationship with her, right? She's new, she's new in his life. He, they don't know each other. He has to get to know her and get to know her better and form that relationship. And until then, what is the parental boundary he wants to put up? How much does he want to tell her? How much does he not want to tell her about his personal life and about that kind of stuff? And really allowing him to be set up for success in both of these relationships, because as with so many things in life, it is not either or, it's both. Both of these things can exist at the same time. It just requires a little bit more juggling and work on his part. And that's kind of the idea with Lou. We would continue working, right? Like we would just continue working and hopefully get him comfortable and see how that would change things. From what we know in the show, that's not what happens because homeboy doesn't go to therapy. Uh, But as a therapist, that's how I would approach Luke in this particular juncture in his life. And I was just thinking, you know, if we go back to how amazing Jess becomes in the later seasons, Jess is totally the one that's like, Luke, go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Like that bro moment of like, you need to go talk to someone about this. It's okay to talk about your feelings. Go talk to someone. Because they've shared yeah. moments early on with the, the love book yes yeah yeah we're gonna be Uh, awkward about luke is open yeah yeah luke is open to self-improvement he Mm -hmm. has to over the series he does like a a self-help book at one point because lorelei tells it's actually lorelei not jess lorelei tells him you need to go get help and this is later on well they they shared that um they shared that moment with him in the book jess and then i feel Mm -hmm. like because of that jess would then later go on and be like i have a therapist it's okay (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah so that's uh that's where i'm hitting yeah absolutely so you kind of implied it earlier but again yeah speak more about why luke is your favorite yeah luke is my favorite character in the show uh by far uh i don't i i can't really tell you why I, i just love the dude um i think it's because he does mean well uh he he wants 
he wants to be a better person and he really, really tries really, really hard and he can really only do it in his way. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that might be the part of that I relate to with him. It's like, I, at points in my life and still, I think still, I try to like, I try really hard with people, with the people that I care about. I, I put effort in, I, I make, I, I, I try to be there, but I can only do it in the ways that I know how. Um, so a lot of that is in, for me, showing up and taking care of people and cooking for people is a big part of that. Uh, he's really, really good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, but it's, for me, it doesn't look like being consistent on text messaging or being consistent on social media. I just, it's just not who I am. And people in my life have to know that. You know, and so it's, I think that's part of it too. Like we, we all try our best, but we can only really do it in the way that we can. And for, so for like me, those are mine. For Luke, it's more so like, let me take care of you in, in a very like physical needs way. Mm-hmm. You need this thing fixed at your house. Let me do that for you. Is it Bob? That's the name of the toolbox? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let me take care of this for you. And to the point where like Lorelai gets professional contractors to work on her house at one point and Luke gets upset about it. (laughs) Or like your eating habits are really unhealthy. Here, let me cook for you uh, as the owner of the diner. And like, that was something early on in his character that was like a huge thing where it was like, y'all need to eat better. So I'm going to cook for you. Uh, That kind of tapers off. But that is kind of his way. It's just like, I take care of the people by doing this. And I think that's what I relate to in him. It's just like, yeah, like you, you know, for some people it is about, I take care of you by using words. I take care of you by using physical touch. I take care of you by using time. Um, yeah, you know, all of these things that we, that are a particular set of things, but we don't talk about the actual mm-hmm. thing anymore because the person is really homophobic who made that. Um, but they still stand. I yes. do think that there's still some validity still, in the science the, the of that. The concept of it is still so true. Yeah. Um, but I don't no, want to give money to the person who's yes. homophobic. So we're not going to say the actual title of that thing. But there are different ways you can show you care about right. people in your life. And with Luke, like he genuinely shows up even when it's to his own discomfort. 100%. And, you know, he does not get enough credit for the one, like what Luke, communicate your feelings towards Lorelai a lot sooner. It would have been, would have worked out fine. Communicate better at all, I would right? take. Um. <laughs> but the amount of times he did have to watch her go through it. Yeah. Having the feelings that he had and was still able to show up for her is meaningful yeah and not only that he doesn't put like he yes it makes him uncomfortable when like say Lorelai's dating other men or that kind of a thing but he doesn't put his life on hold yeah right yeah building her a hoopah for her wedding yeah but but he doesn't put his life on hold right he goes and dates and he Mm -hmm. like you know he has other relationships we're not really focusing on them here other than the fact of like he does have a history that have that has hurt him Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel specifically like has left him and abandoned him twice yes. now uh, at this point so you know he he does have his own history he doesn't just wait around for Lorelai mm-hmm. which I do think is really healthy they Absolutely. do have a very healthy friendship before mm-hmm. they date 
yeah, I think if we're talking about why Luke in particular for me stands out as a character, I think it's that definitely that acts of service piece mm -hmm. of like, he shows people he cares by doing stuff for them. That's what I do too. Um, and I've had to learn as I've grown, as I've grown and aged, like how to do some of the other pieces of that, like where I do use words every once in a while mm -hmm. now where, but it's still not my most comfortable one. Um, but you know, if somebody's like, I don't feel, you know, I, I, I need some support here. I can do that now, but it, the acts of service is still my, my main one specifically cooking for people. So that's also probably why I relate to Luke a lot. Tyler, I appreciate your cooking skills. <laughs> and Thank you. if you keep cooking, I, I won't notice that you don't always text me back about what the podcast theme is right away. <laughs> hey, I'm pretty good when we're texting about the podcast. It's yes, when we're texting when we're texting about literally eh, anything else. Anything else, it, it fades. Yeah. No, it's, I'm, there's people waiting on emails for me, so I get that. <laughs> yep. But I will show up. I will, I will bake. And <laughs> I get acts of service as well. That's my my primary care motive so yeah. yes well thank you um luke is a valued member of the stars hollow community and he is i would say like top five for me for sure mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. yeah i think actually now that i'm thinking about it a little bit more right before we go to break here just because I, I had a revelation here for a second i think part of luke's personality is also who i'd want to be he's very outspoken he's very mm -hmm. like He's very um, not outgoing. I don't think that's the word we're looking for. But when he's very something strong when, and assertive, when he, he's when he opinionated. Cares. Yeah, he's yes. opinionated. He's assertive. Like there's a part of that that I wish I was more mm -hmm. of, and I think that's also part of it too. Just because I had that revelation yeah. just now, and I was like, oh wait, yeah. All I think the times a part he of me stands that, up for yeah. to Taylor. Yeah, I'm like, and... there's a part of me that wants to be Luke a little bit of yes. just like I wish I could be that assertive. I would say I'm not Taylor, a Luke Taylor assertive, but it is fun <laughs> to be like, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to let you know how I feel. And then you can deal with it. Yeah. So. yeah. And that's a trait that you have that I admire. <laughs> I don't, I'm not like that. It I took am... many years of being repressively shy to get there, but <laughs> I have a voice now and I will use it. Dang it. Yeah. But yes, Luke, Luke is Luke Danes, just Luke Danes. What a guy. What, what a, a guy. guy. Yes. And with that, let's head on over to our break and we'll be back in a little bit. Hey, y'all, this is Jennifer. We wanted to reach out and let you all know that we are on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stories with Shrinks and on Twitter, Shrink Stories. We post before episodes, little sneak peeks about what we're talking about and trying to engage more with our community about the topic. You can find that and join the story with us online. Welcome back to Stories with Shrinks, where we are talking about Gilmore Girls. I just wrapped up talking about Luke Danes, and I'm going to hand the mic over to Jen because I believe you have a new client. I do. I have a new client. We're kind of diving in mid-late series. Mm -hmm. uh, within the show and I am working with another born and raised stars hollow girl Lane Kim she's mm. roughly 20 years old Korean American cisgender heterosexual female 
She has just began dating and getting um, more intimate with her partner, Zach Van Bergen. Um, together, they are in a band. They live together. Um, a, they started living together actually before they became dating partners. Um, they were living together with their fellow bandmate after she got kicked out of the, her home. Her mother is a devout, very strict seven-day Adventist. And recently, instead of asking permission, talking to her mother, well, like the whole time, she decided to go to New York for a weekend to go with her band to a very important gig. Later, she, her mother discovers her second life, which was hiding in her bedroom underneath the floorboards, underneath um, her bed, in her closet, in the ceiling, all over the place, her, her love for music and drops out of college, moves in with Zach and Brian, started working as a waitress for Loops and soon, you know, started discovering she had feelings for Zach and they start dating. And the reason she came in for therapy and quote, my mother is in my head. And she is struggling with spirituality and sexuality. And how do you balance? I'm getting little claps for this. <laughs> how do you balance cultural, spiritual, religious views? How do you balance um, growing up in a culture that has very um, strict moral values in a way um, and discovering who you are a person in your own spirituality and how you want to express yourself. And she is freaking out because every time she wants to get intimate with her partner, as she says, her mother pops in her head and says horrible things about what she is doing. And she can't, she can't have sex with her partner until marriage. And she doesn't agree with this, but it's stopping her from moving forward. And she's fearful that Zach won't want to continue this relationship if they can't be sexually intimate given his history of different partners who she has also seen as they have lived together before they started dating so she is panicked sitting in my office coming in just totally afraid that she's going to become her mom she is going to ruin her relationship she's never going to be able to have sex and what is going to happen to her so to begin, we would just take a breath. We would start by just slowing down. Lane, I think, talks faster than Lorelai at times. And we would start by slowing down and taking that breath and looking at those anxiety triggers and really start talking about her culture. What does it mean to be Korean? What does it mean to be culturally raised in a family where Korean values are highly valued in a way and you were raised in a very strict home and what that means to her versus what that means to her mother and we're going to talk about the acculturation process of being um, one generation removed from your mom and what that means to be growing up in a culture that has more American influences than necessarily what your mom grew up in and what it means to be Seventh-day Adventist and let her be the expert in the room. Whenever it comes to culture and religion, I will never and will never try to pretend that I am the expert on every culture and every religion because even if I match culturally based on the verbiage, 
no way did I live that culture as that person in that culture. So, you know, I was raised in a religious home. I have a spiritual background. By no means do I have the same experience as anybody else raised in the same technically Lutheran background. Um, just, you know, just given different demographics. But what does it mean for her? And we would start to just talk about also what she likes about Zach what she likes about music and start bringing in music regularly. You know, bring me your favorite songs, educate me on these bands. What music makes you feel good? What music makes you feel sad? What music makes you think of childhood? And really just start to get to know her outside of the Kim family ideology as well. We would then really start talking also about sexuality and what it means to be female, to be exploring your sexuality for the first time. She talks about how before Zach, it was stolen kisses hidden behind Bibles and, you know, arranged dates that were just for the sole purpose of marrying a fellow Korean so that the family would be happy and they were chaperoned and they were never under her own circumstances. So to go from a very secretive world to a now you have the freedom to express your full range of emotions is scary. It's scary to go from one world where you had no options to there's a lim unlimited possibilities here and what do I do with all this? And start talking about like, well, okay, what is it, what does sexuality mean to your Korean culture? And what does it mean to being a seven day Adventist? And what are the rules and what were some of the things that you were taught? And then we can start talking about, you know, what values did your family hold? What values do you hold? What is different? What is the same? So often we don't have to rule out everything that the family did just because we don't agree with one thing like okay you get to keep whatever values from your religion that you want and start incorporating it in like a spiritual way of like your just relationship with something higher if that's choosing if that's what you choose to want for yourself um you don't have to throw everything away in a sense you can keep the bits that work for how maybe you do want to live morally or what values you like and set in place. But we want her to start to take that ownership and that authorship rather than this is what my mom said, you can't have sex before marriage versus no, this is a value that I think I like. And it's not because necessarily my mom told me so. And giving her more of that freedom to choose what you want and not necessarily feeling like because you have to. And then also we're going to talk about from a female perspective, what does it mean to have sex? Guys have sex, they're studs. Women have sex, they become sluts. And watching your friends start to have sex before you and to be in college and still a virgin is completely fine, 100%. Listeners, there is no timetable on when you should or should not. And if you choose to never, that is just as fine as if you choose to. Um, there is no correct path for anyone on when you want to engage in sexual and or intimate behavior. With that said, for Lane specifically, what does it mean for her to be a virgin in college and to watch Rory 
learning how to sext for the first time and you're starting to just navigate this world. And what does it mean to be going to a college with very strict moral values as well and to not agree with everything and navigating all of that for, for her, letting her know that like, if you choose to have sex, that does not change who you are. The idea of, oh, you're no longer a virgin. <gasps> okay. It's bullshit guys. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's valuable in the sense that you are engaging in something that can be a very intimate act. And it also is just an act in a way to show um, affection towards someone, to show intimacy towards someone, to have a fun time with someone, to have a fun time with yourself. Um, and there's no shame in it. It's just, it's just a word that means this is the first time you are choosing to engage in this one specific sexual behavior. And I'd also want her. Just comment. to pop in, my, my comment was that, you know, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but I just want to, you know, the feminist in me is like, we got to talk about it, which is virginity is a social construct yes. that has been used to keep women, quote unquote, in line for years and years and years and years. It is not real. There's no real way to know if someone's a virgin or not. There's no physiological change that happens. Yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's the most archaic thing ever and yeah i just had to i had to put that in there no, I needed absolutely to. it's a social construct and it is really dumb it's so dumb and if and this is and i don't want to speak for every religion there are so many different religions out there i am speaking more from a very conservative christian point of view that i have learned about there are times where women are told that if you so much as look at another man, you are actually like committing adultery against your future husband, mm -hmm. which, oh my Lord, like mm. that doesn't sink into a kid's brain and possibly scar them for life. Um, yeah. Right. Like, well, yeah, I was, I was raised Catholic and one of the tenets of Catholicism is, you know, if, even if your thoughts are impure, then you're right. sitting. So uh, and for and for Lane, like I'm gonna be honest, I don't know much about the Seven Day Adventist community, so I would want to educate myself and have her educate me on her experience within like the Korean culture in this uh, pocket of religion. Um, but knowing that they do come from like a Christian, like fundamental background, like I, there's there's strong moral values there um, based on what they believe are the moral choices to make yeah there's some overlap from your experience yes and uh how we how we talk about that and how we talk about language and how we talk about how we use language in regards to ourselves where you're not a slut or any of those other words that we tend to describe girls who have engaged in a lot of sexual activity if you decide to have sex with someone and if you decide to have sex with someone before marriage we would also engage in a safe sex and safe intimacy conversation in a safe sexual acts conversation as i would want to make sure that she is aware of how to keep herself and her partner safe and healthy in the sense that she may not have engaged in a full health-based sex ed talk. And it's a talk that I know I'm comfortable having with clients when they need it. 
of, you know, let's talk about condom use and talk about birth control options, talked about how to find a doctor to best make that decision for yourself. As I am not a doctor, I'm not going to prescribe anything or give opinions on. I think this is the best use for you, but these are just different types and go talk to a doctor to find the best type for you and your body's needs and you and your partner's needs. And talk to her about, so when you say I can't have sex with my partner, what does that mean? Are we talking home run? Are we talking first, (laughs) second, third base? Uh, What are we talking here? And help her understand that even if, yes, you don't want to have sex before marriage, great. That is a choice you get to make and there is nothing wrong with that choice as well. We're not going to shame you for making that choice for yourself. And we're not going to shame you for not making that choice for yourself. I want that to be your choice, though. I don't want your mom popping in your head while you're making out going, no, don't do it. (laughs) And what are you comfortable with? And how do you communicate that with Zach? So I think that would be step number two of under, or probably step number three, understanding your family value, understanding your narrative, the sex dynamic to that, and then communication with your partner and communication on where your boundaries are. Like, hey, I am comfortable with this, but I'm not comfortable with this. We can do these things. I'm not comfortable with these things yet. And how to communicate that effectively with your partner so that you don't feel embarrassed or shame or guilty. And if you are getting those cues back from your partner that you are like, oh, like, but I want to, you're making me feel bad. Can't we just, we're gonna talk about how to communicate healthy boundaries and respect and letting him know that or her know hey when you say things like this it makes me feel this way and I need you to understand that I'm not trying to slow us down and by any means or I'm not trying to put you in a position by any means I just need you to be comfortable with where I'm at so that we can grow as a partner together and some of the interventions I think that would be helpful for uh, Lane would be like genogram work of tracking these family patterns, tracking the history of these um, values so that she can understand what she wants to keep and what she doesn't want to keep. And I think for Lane, something that she would struggle with that technically comes out later, a little bit later in the show is how much her and her mom actually have in common. Her mom was in a band. Her mom rebelled against her family. She was born and raised Buddhist and converted to becoming Christian and seven-day Adventist and like even though they took different paths of it and it looks different for them they actually have a lot more in common than she she realizes so again just how to transition from living in that very strict family value system her relationship with her mom her lack of relationship with her dad And then how to talk about spirituality and sexuality and how to communicate that with her partner would be the big things that we are talking about and providing her space to just breathe and to slow down and to not shame herself and to say it's okay to feel confused about what you want to do sexually and it's okay to not have all the right answers and it's okay to not feel comfortable in the moment and it's okay to say no even if you've already started. Yeah. You know, you consent the whole process. It's not one and done. So that's what we would be talking about with Lane. Yes. And just to go back to that last part, I think it's really important. I've talked with so many clients about 
the consent piece and the safety piece about sex. And I, I, I started applauding when you brought this up because you brought up religion and sex, which are two yes. things that people are really, really cagey about talking mm-hmm. about. Um, and, you know, when we start talking about these things with clients, we need to be comfortable. We need to be able to have these conversations, no matter the discomfort and stuff that we have. Again, it goes back to as a clinician working on stuff for yourself. Mm-hmm. So that way you can be the best version of you in the room as possible. Um, but the thing that came to mind for me talking about consent and how consent is constant and it, it is always a conversation. When we talk about, like I've talked with some clients about performance anxiety, which is kind of what's happening here with Lane mm-hmm. is like, you know, what do you need to feel safe in that thing? Cause that's where the anxiety is coming from, right? Is like a lack of safety. So what do you need to feel safe in this, in these experiences? Do you need to have the reassurance of the boundary of we don't have to go all the way? Mm -hmm. Do you know, do you need the, you know, the other person to tell you, like, if you, if you say no, we will stop, you know, whatever it might be. Do you need a safe word? Do you need, Mm -hmm. you know, a light system of red light, yellow light, red, red light, yellow light, green light system, like, you know, do you need to have a debrief afterward for some people that's necessary? Like, what do you need to make this a good experience for you? Uh, And that should be a conversation that people are having in every sexual relationship they're having with people. And with that, like, I would just even add like sexual or intimate because a relationship doesn't have to be sexual in act and still be intimate in nature, but that needs to be communicated as well. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And that's mm-hmm. the same idea, right? Safety is a really huge concern in any relationship and in friendships too. Yeah. It doesn't have to be romantic either. I mean, yeah, we, we won't leave anybody out of this. Mm-hmm. Like anytime you have a relationship with another person, communication is the most important thing. It's almost like that's Gilmore's big problem is communicating needs <laughs> and the safety of it. Weird weird right but anyway jen tell me about you know your decision to choose lane what was going on there yes so i actually jumped around a lot of different characters before i landed on lane i wasn't quite sure until maybe like five o'clock tonight (laughs) and we record around 7 30 um Mm -hmm. who i was going to pick and i was actually talking to my mom because my mom is who i watched gilmore girls with um i was raised by a single mom so me and me and my mom related to Gilmore a lot and just that single mom lifestyle and we we love the show and we we still go back and watch it it's one of our go-tos to just throw on in the background and we were talking about like Jackson and I love I love that the character of Jackson I think he's fantastic I honestly feel though that like he's actually kind of okay with talking about his feelings and like talking about stuff he's one of the stronger more like emotionally vulnerable men in the show when it comes to that i would say yeah in in his relationship suki is the one who doesn't want to talk about what she's feeling and that's the dynamic that they have yeah and then i switched over to mr medina Mm -hmm. because he definitely needs therapy after the end of his run with the gilmores (laughs) and i just wasn't you know i was taking a cue from you of the idea of like you know what what topic would i want to talk about though and then it came up with lane and I was like, whoa, like, this is, this is actually a topic that I really 
I work with a lot and I really like, and I connect to personally. And that that's what made me land on Lane because I can relate to her so much in this conversation growing up in a um, both religion and religious and spiritual home and having different levels of that taught to myself by different generations and growing up in a church dynamic. And even though I tend to identify more on the spiritual end and more of just like that personal relationship with a higher being and just don't be a dick person, I was taught in a lot of different ways to not engage in anything before marriage it's evil it's a sin oh my gosh it's horrible don't even look at a boy and when when boys were around and i you know started exploring that dynamic of myself it popped in my head too of like am i gonna go to hell am i when then i the next thought was oh my god where did that thought come from (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't even agree with this. Where does this thought come from? But it was really deep, far back in there on top of a, a preacher's pulpit. And I was like, oh, oh, this is weird. And Lane went through that as well. And it's a conversation that, it, again, sex and religion are the two out of the three things you're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table. And we need to talk about it. <laughs> so... I love Lane for that reason. I feel so bad that she gets pregnant on her honeymoon again. Talk about safe sex, (laughs) y'all. And um, don't have sex on a beach. (laughs) Condoms rip, (laughs) y'all. And she, I wish they had done her character more justice in the end. I feel like she makes a fantastic mom, but I feel like she could have done so much more with that character. She is definitely just the best friend kind of trope in all of it. But I love, I love Lane. She's, she's a, she's a rebel. She takes after my own heart. So. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. That's us for this time. Uh, Please leave us a review, you know, subscribe, follow us, um, depending on the platform you're on. It's it's a lot of different words, Uh, but you know, do what you can to get the word out there. Talk to your friends if you like what you hear. Uh, and that's kind of it for me. Anything for you, Jen? No, just follow us over on Instagram. That's where I'm posting the most regularly. It's at Stories with Strengths. And we post right around the time that we submit and soon enough posting a lot more often. So you guys can look forward to that. And that's all for us. Take care, everyone. Bye, y'all. Stories with Shrinks is an entertainment and education podcast. Our views are our own and should not be considered canon or associated with any of the media or universes we discuss. And thank you to Purple Planet Music for our theme song, Phoenix Rising. You can find music for all your podcasting or YouTube needs at www.purple-planet.com. Mm-hmm.